0: Natalie just got applause for the announcements. That's awesome. Well done, Natalie. Um, Oh, forgot about the mask. I would say, in my opinion, perhaps the hardest aspect of the Christian life or potentially the most confusing aspect of the Christian life would be end times theology. Would you agree with that? I mean, there's... A lot of different pastors that are that I respect and love and listen to, and they're teaching different things, right? Pre-mill, post-mill, ah-mill, all the pan-mill, right? All these things they're teaching. I would say though, a close second to the most confusing aspect of the Christian life is the work and person of the Holy Spirit, especially his gifts. Because in part, depending on who you're listening to, there can be really good pastors and teachers that are teaching different things about the different gifts, and it can be very, very confusing. That has been my experience with many of the gifts. Many of you know that my mom was really the kind of first mentor that I had with my dad and sister uh, close by, but she really Um, nurtured much of my faith in the early years, and she spoke in tongues. She not only spoke in tongues and demonstrated that tongues, but she believed that the gift of tongues was for every Christian. She believed it was for me, and she encouraged me, all of us children, to seek after that gift, and so I did. I sought That gift, again and again and again, I prayed for it. I I asked the Lord for it. There were a number of nights, especially in college and after college, that I would fall asleep saying, Lord, would this be the night that you would give me the gift of tongues? Honestly, there were many nights that I fell asleep frustrated, going, Lord, why not me? Why everybody else? There was a period of a couple of years that I asked three different pastors from three different traditions to pray over me that I would receive the gift of tongues. I think it was a Methodist pastor, a Pentecostal pastor, uh, and a Vineyard pastor, right? And they, they prayed for me. And nothing. While in college, uh, there was, we were in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, a group of college Christians, and um, I had two friends, Matt and Liz, and they started dating. Liz was from the Vineyard Church, and she spoke in tongues. She led worship for us. Matt was the son of a Baptist pastor. And Matt's dad taught very succinctly that the gift of tongues has ceased. So anyone praying in tongues, that was of the enemy, not of God. That created a little bit of a relational relational dilemma between the two right? I remember one day Liz coming up to me, Eric, would you pray for me? I'm asking as many people to pray for me because Matt's whole church, his dad's whole church, is praying that I would come to understand the truth about tongues and that I would stop praying in tongues. And I was like, well, Liz, I will pray for you, but I don't think it works that way. Like, if this is a gift of God, he's not going to be like, well, it's the gift I gave you that I love you and and yet this whole church is praying, so even though it's bad theology, I'm going to pull this gift from me. I don't think it works that way, right? I think you're okay, Liz. If this is of God, you're good. I was amazed all these different leaders and pastors and the information coming in with these different ways of understanding the gifts Some, everybody should have the gift of tongues. Others, many of the manifestational gifts have ceased. Where do you turn? I'd say with anything, always, 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 with humility, with a desire to understand, with a a longing, we, we open the word of God and let the word of God speak. Regardless of how much we respect those teachers that have gone before us, they're not the final word. We take them and we filter all that we hear through the word of God. Can we do that this morning with the gift of tongues? Because we are going to be talking about the manifestational gifts. We always turn with humility and say, Lord, would you speak? Lord, Would you communicate what do you have for us? And so let's do that this morning with humility, with thoughtfulness. Let's again turn and open to the the Word of God and see what He has for us, especially in this area that can be so confusing. Two weeks ago, we started in... Uh, the book of First Corinthians, chapter twelve. Would you open your Bibles there with me again? And and unfortunately for the Corinthian church at that time, they were using and abusing the manifestational gifts of the Spirit. It was part of a of a somewhat it was a vibrant spiritual community, and yet it was unhealthy to a certain degree. And so it's understood that they had communicated with. Paul, there's some real issues going on. Some just wanted to stop all the gifts and speaking in tongues and all those kind of things. Others are saying, no, 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 this is the best thing since sliced bread. Everybody should have it, right? Let's pray for the tongues. And so Paul says, as we saw two weeks ago, he says, listen. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed about gifts. I'm going to speak to you. And fortunately for us, we've got several chapters where Paul does some plain speaking, some reason and understanding about what the gifts are. Are they for us? Have they ceased? All of those things. So what I'd like us to do is we're going to do two weeks In this very short passage, we're going to unpack what can and has been some very sources of confusion for us regarding the gifts of the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll pick it up in verse 4. I just want to remind us of the Trinitarian approach that Paul takes. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them there are different kinds of service but the same lord he most often refers to jesus as lord lord jesus there are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone it is the same god at work he refers to the father most often god the father so again this is not uh, this is a trinitarian emphasis of the work of god god the father son and holy spirit in our lives. Verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Manifestation there is why many people refer to these gifts as manifestational gifts. We looked at Ephesians 4 and we refer to those as purpose gifts. Okay? Purposes of the church. And then here Paul is talking about manifestation Manifestational gifts of the Spirit, and he lists nine. We're going to talk in detail about five of them this morning. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, one gift. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He, the Holy Spirit, distributes them to each one just as He determines. Probably, Paul is not making up these gifts He's naming these gifts. Those gifts were active in the Corinthian church. He's going to say now, let's talk through and explain some of them. And where I'd like to start is with a Greek word that he uses and repeats a couple of times in uh, in these verses. Many of you, if you only know one Greek word, it might be this one Greek word, logos. Have you heard logos before, right? That's, do you know, it's from, especially we think of it from uh, the opening verses of John, the gospel of John, when he talks about Jesus, he says, In the beginning was the Word. That's Logos, and that's Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. And the Word, Logos, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Logos, Jesus, was was God, right? And then in verse 17, he's going to say, and the word became flesh, and that was Jesus. So he uses and describes Jesus as logos. Paul uses that same Greek word for the first two spiritual gifts. NIV translates it as message, which is a fine translation. I like word a little bit better. New King James used to say a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. So you've got in the Greek, you've got um, uh, logos Sophia, a word of wisdom. It's a gift. You've got logos gnosis, which is knowledge, a word of knowledge. Now, when he says prophecy, Paul refers just to, he says prophecy, but In another place, uh, Peter, the apostle, this is 2 Peter 1.19, you can jot that down in your outline if you want, he talks about a prophetic word. Guess what uh, Greek word he uses? Logos, yes, right? So he says, prophetia, logos, prophetic word, or sometimes we say, logos, prophetia, right? A word of Prophecy. So I bring that up because oftentimes, when people, we start talking about spiritual gifts, there's a hesitancy, there's some fear, there's an intimidation, there's a, I don't know about this, I don't, this is not part of my tradition at all, and yet, at the end of the day, you know what spiritual gifts are? They're a little bit more of Jesus spilling over into our lives. They're a little bit of a, a logos. They're a, it's a, a, a Jesus of knowledge, this word of knowledge. He just gives a little bit more of himself. He, a, a, a prophecy, it's just a little bit of a Jesus prophecy, right? He, it spills over in a little bit of our lives when we experience the gifts in the Spirit, not fleshy, not unhealthy, but when we do it in the Spirit, we're just experiencing a little bit more of Jesus. How wonderful would it be if we approached the spiritual gifts like Mary, and just said, boy, I, I want a little bit more of Jesus. Whether it's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or a prophetic word, I'm I'm open, I'm I'm longing. I, I just want more of Jesus. You know, when we approach the spiritual gifts, I think that's the right posture to take as we say, hey, this I, I might not get everything, not but I do just want a little bit more of Jesus. If we could approach the spiritual gifts the same way we just approached communion, I think the Lord would have something really special for us. Yes? All right. Look at your neighbor and say, what's the word? word? You can throw in a thunderbird if you want. You can even go, what's the logos, right? Right? All right. We're going to explain. I'm going to unpack these three uh, gifts r- real, uh, real briefly this morning, and then we're going to get to perhaps the most confusing of the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. But first, logos Sophia, a little bit of Jesus wisdom, a little bit of word of wisdom. Here's a definition: a spirit-directed word or message. Of counsel that is given in a specific situation that brings greater understanding or clarity. Let me give you an example. We were staff workers for InterVarsity, and we used to go to this camp up in Michigan. It was called Cedar Campus. We loved it with the it was the northern part of Lake Huron. The trees, we felt like it was Narnia, you know, C.S. Lewis's Narnia. It was just this wonderful place, and we'd invite kids all across the Midwest, actually uh, from across the country, to come and they would experience Jesus, some leadership training, some special camps. It was this wonderful. We had this problem that we were being too many students were coming to the camp, and we had to figure out and decide, do we extend weeks or shorten weeks? Do we add camps? To, there was another university camp that was available, but it it just wasn't Cedar Campus. So we decided to meet as a staff. There was like 30 of us, and we're meeting. And so a number of us were waxing eloquent about how awesome Cedar Campus is, and we can't just go to another camp. And there was this older staff worker that had been listening and he was quiet and then he just raised his hand and he just said quite simply, I I think we're in danger of living limiting God to a certain location. And right then the the meeting turned. Right? It was just that it was he had just been listening He'd been praying and he said that we're, we've got to utilize this other camp. Now, I, I've got to see words of wisdom at, at work, sometimes in a meeting like that, sometimes in a one-on-one counseling session, sometimes in, in prayer when people ask for prayer really wrestling and there's just a, a word of wisdom that's given. That's a logos Sophia Wouldn't it be beautiful if we were a community of faith that had words of wisdom that were a regular part of our life together? I think we'd get a whole lot wiser as a community of faith. Yes? All right, word of knowledge, logos gnosis. What is that? Let's define it. A spirit-directed word of insight or information pertaining to a person or event that is usually related to an immediate need. I've seen words of knowledge happen when we pray for someone, there's a vision or a picture or a scripture or an insight that happens. A number of weeks ago, we got the opportunity to have a word of knowledge just happened. It was uh, Pastor Jedediah's friend, Herbert, and he was about to preach. Some of you remember that. And all of a sudden, he had a, a word of knowledge. He didn't identify it as that, but he spoke that to our uh, saxophone player, well, and piano player, our multi-instrument player, Josh Winans. And we wanted to watch just a little bit of the video for those of you who didn't see it. It's a word of knowledge at work. Amen. Um, there was
1: a gentleman... Who was playing the saxophone? Is he here? Josh? All the way in the back? Hey, I, I just felt something for you real quick. I hope Is that okay? Uh, what, your name is Josh? When you were playing, I just felt like God is just calling you into um, his secret place even more. I feel like you're, you're going there, but I also saw just some hope deferred in the past. And I just feel like God's actually going to be restoring some things. I feel like the timing wasn't right on some of those things that were really difficult. Uh, But I feel like God's calling you in to give you even a new hope, hope that you're not expecting, okay? Um,
0: But it was really, I mean, and it was anointed. His saxophone was amazing. All right, he missed a little bit on the quality of saxophone playing. Just kidding, Josh. Um, no, but so oftentimes with a word of knowledge, there's a discernment process in a couple of different ways. One is Herbert was discerning, is this from the Lord? Is this for Josh and should I share it? There's that different discernment process. But then afterwards, I saw Josh and I said, Josh, now bring that word to the Lord. Because oftentimes the, the person who gives the word of knowledge might not even know the significance or the application. In fact, he probably didn't. So that's between you and the Lord and you discern that. Is that from the Lord? And what is the Lord saying? So Josh, would you share a little bit with us how your immediate response as you heard it and then as you prayed and what you thought?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first off, getting called out like that was a unique experience <laughs> and very frightening. But um, <laughs> after that subsided, I, I, you know, I prayed about it and um, it was a pretty immediate Uh, realization of what he was uh, anointing me with. Can I go into the story at all? Yeah, do it. Okay. So, uh, five years ago, me and my lovely wife, uh, she was pregnant. And it was all our dreams and and prayers answered. Uh, But then the horrible, most horrible thing that can happen, happened. And she had a miscarriage. And ever since then, we have been trying. And it's been heartbreaking month after month, year after year. Until, uh, praise God, uh, that changed, and she was pregnant, and we made it past the the, the magic mark, that where we didn't have to worry. But it, there's still, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's still that part of you that's scared. You know, you you had something so precious, and it was it was uh, taken, and you just have a hard time uh, trusting that that's that's going to be a thing. And then come in that day, and I hear that word, and um. I felt that God was telling me, hey, Josh, you need, to, you need to calm down. You need to trust in me. But having that other prophetic word of just being, hey, really? Yeah, I know you went through some stuff, and yeah, that was hard, but trust in me, and there's hope. And so it's, it was a beautiful message at the time.
0: Amen. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it very much. How neat would it be if as a community... Words of knowledge were happening in prayer, sometimes in the service. A little bit of Jesus' knowledge was spilled from time to time. Yes? Let's talk about prophetic word, okay? Prophetia Logos, right? Let's define that. A spirit-directed word of God that can reveal his will, his counsel, or encouragement ...in a particular time or situation. Oftentimes, prophetic words are given... ...and they're not particular to the person who receives them... ...as it was from Herbert to Josh... ...but this is a bigger or wider word for the whole community of faith. In fact, a little bit later in 1 Corinthians fourteen three, ...Paul gives us the purpose of prophetic words... You could really apply all the words to this purpose, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Last week, we had an example of a prophetic word. Our elder, Kurt Poole, felt led, and at the end of the service, if you were watching, he uh, felt led that he had a prophetic word so he came to me and said can I share that and my first thought was no you're a week early Holy Spirit I'm not speaking on this until next week right (laughs) Uh, but apparently the Holy Spirit didn't want to wait that long and so he gave that just for us to hear that prophetic word so can we we're going to watch just this prophetic word at the end of the service last week
1: I hear the Spirit of God say that there's a door that's opening for this church, for this body. And when things that are new start to happen, there's a resistance or there's an acceptance. The key to hear God will be found prior to the encounter question yourself have you found yourself consuming the word of God how much of your time is devoted to praying for the spirit of God to bring revelation because if we have nothing within us how can there be an acceptance of what God promotes so the resistance comes up and I am urging you this week to read finding yourself in the scripture what is God stirring in you and you follow that by praying that through you put your heart into what you've discovered in the word of God not because you're going to share with anybody you might but because there's a yes and amen that comes out of the spirit of man to what God says and does. This door is opening. Where will you be?
0: We could play that every week, right? Like how beautiful that is. How encouraging that is. How can you imagine us being a place, a community of faith, where these prophetic words were being shared rightly and in the Spirit? Well, I want to be a part of a community like that. Last week, we wanted to set a context a little bit for all spiritual gifts. So we turn to Ephesians 4. We have a little chart um, that looks at that on the side is the purpose gifts. I'm convinced from Ephesians 4, as I shared last week, that those five are purposes of the church, that the church is meant to be apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding, and teaching, right? Those are, we're we're called to be a part of all five of those purposes of the church. And at the same time, those purposes are also gifts. God gifts individuals to to step up and lead in those purposes, right? So you see the purposes on the left side of the chart, but then also you see them listed as gifts. There's some that are gifted apostolically, prophetically, evangelistically, yes? Now we're adding the gifts that we're talking about, to that. So word of wisdom, word of knowledge. And so in the, let's say, evangelistic ministry, do you think a word of wisdom or knowledge could be helpful in the church doing evangelistic ministry? Amen. Absolutely. Do you think the word of knowledge could be helpful in the church doing shepherding ministry? Do you think a word of knowledge could be helpful in all five of those purposes of church? Yes? So we're seeking to grow. Each of us has been given gifts of the Spirit. At least one, probably most of you have several. Some of you know those gifts. Some of you don't, not yet. But yet we're meant to operate in those gifts in all of those five purposes. Of the church, teacher, do you think apostolic ministry needs the gifted teacher in it? Absolutely. Does that make sense, this chart? So we're building, and we'll talk about more gifts in the coming weeks, and we'll add to our chart, yes? Okay. Um, Let's talk about now speaking in tongues, which seems to be the most confusing Let's define it this way, speaking by the Spirit in a language, it can be a language of men, it can be a language of angels, Paul says, right? It's a different language, not known by the speaker, by the person, um, but helpful to think of the gift of tongues primarily as a private prayer language. That's the center of what speaking in tongues is. I know that many of us, especially if we have negative experiences, it hasn't been used in that way. There's a function in public ministry. We'll talk about that. But I want us to start with our understanding of speaking in tongues is a private prayer language. right? Paul will talk about He'll say this, 1 Corinthians 14.2, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. He's saying this is a prayer language first and foremost. Um, Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. At the heart of speaking in tongues is a prayer language. Paul will talk about What was happening in the Corinthian church is they were overemphasizing the gift of tongues and they're saying that this is, and there was kind of this, I'm kind of really sweet Christian because I speak in tongues. Do you speak in tongues? Because I've got it and you don't. Right? And that was causing some problems in the church. And Paul is saying that... um, Uh, and he explains the tongue a little bit in this way. First, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 14, and 15. He says this, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do, he asks rhetorically. Some of us, as Western Christians, we'd say, well, of course you would only pray with your mind. Isn't that what prayer is? You pray, Paul says, no, uh uh-uh. No, this is what we'll do. We will pray with our spirit. Let me find my spot. I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding, my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. He's saying, no, you do both. When I'm praying, as I did before communion, I was praying with my mind. If I pray in tongues, I'm praying with my spirit and I don't always know what I'm praying. I'll just close the the circle for you. I I had decided that the Lord did not have the gift of tongues for me. That after so many years of pursuing it, that that wasn't a gift that he was going to give to me. But I also knew that I could ask for it. And I could keep asking, right? And as I kept asking, there was a sense that he did not want me to teach about it wrongly. And so as I understood the gift of tongues and formed a theology behind that, I finally reached a place that I was okay not having the gift of tongues. And then just a couple of years ago, I was at a conference and... There was a pastor that was praying over us, and he wasn't praying for any kind of tongues or anything. He was just praying for more of the Lord. And as I was just saying, I want more of you. I started praying in tongues. Right? Well, you could clap. I, I mean, it's, it wasn't really about me. It was. He, I was just. I was in a place. And when I started speaking in tongues, it didn't change my theology about tongues at all, my understanding of tongues. And so now, just I share that to explain that sometimes I pray with my mind, and I'm understanding, and sometimes I pray with my spirit, and oftentimes I know the subject that I'm praying, but I don't understand word for word. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Let me say a word about worship, you know. I love hymns because there's so much depth theologically when we sing hymns as we did this morning, right? And oftentimes when I'm thinking about those deep things and singing hymns, I'm worshiping and singing with my mind. But also he invites us to worship with our spirit that it isn't always included, sometimes especially choruses that repeat, or I can tell you when my little spirit man lifted his arms. It was in the second song when the trumpet started playing. Ah, oh, whew. That was, we, boy, we're clapping for the trumpeter. Yes, that, we're, we're full of clapping today. It was just so beautiful, and I began to worship in my spirit because of the trumpeter. Yes. Tongues is like that. Right? We can pray and we worship in our spirit also pray and worship with our mind. Are you with me on this? An understanding? All right. Let's ask some really foundational questions that are important and see if we can answer some of them according to the word of God. First of all, the question important to answer, have the, has tongues ceased? Has some of the manifestational gifts like prophecy ceased? Probably many of you have heard teaching along those lines. A number of years ago, I had a, 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 a gale come in. She was a visitor to our church, and she said, Pastor, can I, can I talk to you about something? I said, sure. She said, you know, um, a couple weeks ago, I was praying, and all of a sudden, I was praying in a different language. And I said, oh, that's great. That's a gift of tongues. That was just a gift that God gave you. And she said, well, there's one problem. I did talk to my pastor, and he told me that that had ceased. I said, yeah, that would be, that's a teaching that's there. I said, hey, can we get together, and we'll, we'll talk about this scripturally. So, so she came later that week, and we met in my office, and I said, listen, I'm going to read to you the scripture where, Some teachers get that. It's from 1 Corinthians 13, 8 and 10. We have that. Paul says, Love never fails, but when there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness or perfection or fullness comes, What is part disappears. And I said to the woman, when he says completeness or perfection, what do you think the Apostle Paul is talking about? And she said, when Jesus comes again and changes the earth. I said, yeah, me too. We're not going to need tongues. We're not going to need prophecy. We're not going to need knowledge after that because Jesus will return. Paul, Paul understood, sorry for the dispensationalists among us, but he did not understand time in terms of dispensations of God. He understood that we were in this moment, 2 Corinthians 5, of the the age of favor and blessing and God pouring out salvation and we will live in this moment in human history until Christ returns and transforms the entire world. That's when these gifts cease. Much more could be said about that but I think that's the clearest thing a statement so that those gifts were given by Jesus until he returns. Do I need to say more of that? I'm going to gift you wrestling a little bit, or are we good? I think we're good. All right. All right. We'll keep going. Another question Are all Christians supposed to have the gift? Again, the answer is no, not according to Paul. I was discipling a, a younger leader in in the gifts and, and the spirit, and we were in a coffee shop, and and we we're talking and opening scriptures together. And there was, all of a sudden, we realized that there was an older man that was kind of listening in, and he began to insert himself into the conversation, which was fine. So we were talking about that, and and then pretty soon I realized he wasn't really seeking to learn. He was seeking. He was from Pentecostal church, and he was seeking to inform us with some of the teachings of his church. So as politely as I could, I said, thank you, but I'm going to keep going on the study, right? And so I got to the passage of Scripture where Paul asks a number of rhetorical questions. Again, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 29, a little bit later, and Paul's asking these rhetorical questions to the Corinthians. He's discipling them. He says, are all apostles? It's a rhetorical question. And the answer to that question is no. Yes? yes. Oh, I shouldn't say yes. No, right? Yes, no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? The friend in the coffee shop said, yes! And I said, We don't get to do that. We don't get to read our theology into Scripture. We need to take our theology from Scripture. And in fact, Jesus, when he was baptized, did you know that Jesus was baptized in the Spirit as well? He's baptized with water, and when he comes out, the Holy Spirit, looked like a dove, rests on him. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized in water, went up out of the water, at that moment heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him, Jesus. There was a word of God that was spoken, but Jesus didn't speak in tongues, nor did he have prophecy. So does that mean that Jesus was not baptized in the Spirit? Boy, he would have had such a more effective ministry if he would have just been baptized in the Spirit, right? We're told of Paul's baptism in the Spirit in Acts chapter 9. and Look it up. Paul doesn't speak in tongues or prophesy. Again, we humbly approach Scripture and say, should everyone speak in tongues? No. It's a gift that he chooses to give some and to not others. We should not feel like second-class citizens or Christians if we don't speak in tongues. Capish? You with me? Yes. Remember, Paul is saying, you're a body. We're not all ears. We're not all noses. We're not all mouths. Don't get jealous of others. Oh, man. Kindra has this gift of empathy and love and compassion. I wish I had half of that. Right? Don't do that. Look at the gifts that Christ has for you. Another question. Um, what's the purpose of the gift of tongues? It brings intimacy and edification for the, the practitioner Between you and God. Paul is going to argue that most of the gifts given are for the purpose of edifying, encouraging, and blessing the whole corporate body, okay? But he says tongues is different. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves personally, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. He says that's not wrong. That's not bad. That's how God designed it, right? So pray in tongues because that's edifying to you personally. But then he's going to say, listen, Corinthian church, stop emphasizing the gift that just edifies you personally. Go after the gifts that, that really edify the whole church, right? You're missing it. You're out of balance and it's becoming unhealthy, Yes, pray in tongues if that's a gift. I think partly he gave me the gift of tongues later just because I was so annoying and persistent, right? So if you want it, be be annoying, be persistent, go after it, ask God, do that. But if you receive it, don't think you're better than someone else. Always walk in humility. If you are operating in any gift of the Spirit, humility is key. Guard against jealousy. Guard against that second-class citizen idea. Celebrate when others receive the gifts of the Lord and see them. This is where interpretation of tongues comes in. Paul would actually say, listen, your spirit directs and connects with the gifts. You can't say, well, the spirit made me do it. No, you have a role to play in the gifts. And he says, I don't want you speaking in tongues in a public worship service because it's not gonna make any sense to people. As you pray in your spirit, they'll be like, huh? Unless there's an interpreter. So when some are gifted in the interpretation of tongues, I'm not gifted in that tongues, or at least I've never operated in that gift. But from what I understand, that is there is a knowing. There's an internal knowing of what that person is praying in tongues. And Paul says when there is someone there with the gift of interpretation of tongue, tongues, then use that in a public setting because then it becomes like a prophetic word. It becomes a, it could be a word of knowledge, right? But if it's just tongue, don't use it in public setting. It's primarily for your prayer language. Capish? What, set, what setting should I use these gifts? I kind of already said that. He says, 1 Corinthians 14, 28, if there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Again, it can be used in a large worship service, but he's, he's saying, listen, you do everything in order. That, that makes sense. He, he's speaking very practically. He doesn't use this, but this is my paraphrase of Paul. Don't get weird with the spiritual gifts. Handle them in a thoughtful, humble, non-jealous way. If you want more of Jesus, do that. Don't get all fleshy. Don't, don't push it if it's not happening. Don't fake it if it's not happening. A lot of people have experiences where I'm like, man, I'm pretty sure people were faking it. Or I faked it because there was so much pressure to speak in tongues. Don't, that's all flesh. That's unhealthy. That's what the Corinthian church was doing. Okay? Listen, so I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to leave this story here. Um, I was in a large church setting uh, outside of Chicago, and it was really probably, I don't know, five or six hundred people worshiping, and someone had a tongue, and they prayed out loud in the tongue during worship. It was really beautiful. We waited for an interpretation of that tongue, and a gentleman stood up and he gave an interpretation and it just, it was kind of rough and rugged. It it didn't flow, he was struggling and there was kind of a collective, hmm. and then a woman stood up and she said, and also, and she gave an interpretation and at least in my spirit, it was like, oh, that was God, that was that." when we listened to Kurt, we said, that's God, that's, that's there. And I share that story because I want us, as we grow in gifts, it's okay that sometimes we're going to get it wrong. Sometimes we're going to miss. I know I'm going to get it wrong, sometimes. That doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. In fact, also in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, don't forbid speaking in tongues. There were some that were like, we should be done with this. All right? So we're going to make some mistakes, but we'll grow. Hopefully a leader of that church came alongside that gentleman and said, hey, let's talk about this. What did you feel? What did you think? How'd you experience it? I'm going to say, brother, I, I think perhaps that wasn't the Lord. That was something that else that was going on, right? I want to encourage us to be okay as a community of faith as we gently, humbly grow in the gifts of the Spirit that we're going to walk together and we're going to learn together. Natalie announced the Holy Spirit night. We're going to Invite the Spirit, and we're going to learn together on Tuesday nights as well. I'll leave you with this passage of Scripture if the worship team wants to come forward. Right in the middle of Paul's discussion about the gifts of the Spirit, he's going to say, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Did you know that it's okay to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit? Would you be willing to do that with me? We just do it in love. We make sure we don't try and do it out of pride or jealousy. Right? We don't do it in deception or manipulation, we do it in love. I'd like to be a part of a community of faith that eagerly desires the gifts of the Spirit, but we do it in love. Let's pray. So Lord, we confess that we mess up a lot so easily. In our flesh, we misunderstand We make mistakes, we hurt one another, we grieve you, Holy Spirit, sometimes. Lord, forgive us, Lord. Lord, some of us have been wounded by others in the name of spiritual gifts, Lord. Would you help us not to be bitter about those things? Would you help us to release those and receive all that you have for us? Holy Spirit, would you disciple us in the gifts that you want to give us? Would you teach us how to be people that are naturally supernatural, that are walking in your gifts, the fullness of your gifts for us today? Stand and sing the doxology together. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. So would you go, would you go sitting at the feet of Jesus saying whatever you have for us, Jesus, whatever you have for me, I want to receive all that you have, gifts, fruit, ministries, purposes, comfort, strength, mercy, grace, all that you have, Jesus, Have your way in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you. We'll see you next week for the second part of the gifts.